Good morning, Redeemer family. So nice to see all of your faces. Hi, kids, too. Hi, guys. Nice to see everyone. And um, I just loved so much what Susan uh, shared that our father is a, he's both a, like a, a, a fathering shepherd and a mother bird caring for his kids. And these are certainly challenging times that we're in. And um, though the world is uh, uh, fragile and though um, there are uh, unending threats to the body, none of these threats need dominate our minds because the gospel is a uh, true rest that brings comfort to our hearts and our minds. So this morning we're going to um, conclude our Roman series in chapter 15 and, and it's fitting as we do this because um, we can think about how to be loving and caring for our immediate family and our neighbors uh, in this uh, difficult context of the quarantine that we're in. But uh, also be mindful that this quarantine isn't going to last forever. And we, we want to be mindful of the kinds of people who God has rescued us in his great grace uh, to be for one another as a church community, as a Redeemer family, and also to the greater KW community. So our text for this morning is Romans chapter 15. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not live to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. Now, this passage reiterates two strong themes in the New Testament. The first one is gospel-based unity for us as a church. And the second one is gospel-driven mission, um, the, the things that God does through us in this city uh, as a church. And gospel-based uh, unity that you and I enjoy as a, a Redeemer family, even as we gather here <laughs> around <laughs> in this format, which is so uh, kind of foreign for so many of us, myself um, included, uh, but our unity is not based on our common ethnicity or interests or socioeconomic circles. Our unity is in Christ. And the, the mission for you and I, um, once these challenging days are over and we're not confined you know, to our homes in the way that we are now, that gospel-driven mission, it looks like looking outside of our comfort zone, our, the comfort of our own ethnicity, the comfort of our own social circles, the comfort, the comfort of our own uh, interest groups. We've got a gospel-based uh, unity and a gospel-driven mission. So I want to look at this passage this morning in a few ways. The first thing is to examine the basis uh, for our ministry being gospel renewal. The second one, that the channel for our ministry is being a unified church. And then the third thing is um, the empowering guidance for our ministry is God's word and his spirit. So first, let's look at this um, gospel renewal, what we see here. If you look at the first three verses that we just read, what you're going to find is there's the sweeping principle for Christian ethics. And the sweeping principle is that we don't live for ourselves. 
That's how this chapter starts out. The strong are supposed to support the weak. And we're going to look at that language of strong and weak in a minute and examine what it means. But uh, what's true for uh, this church community ex- is to extend to the greater uh, church community in terms of being um, strong for each other and that strength being defined as caring and loving. So think about even in this moment of um, being in our homes and not and not able to connect the way that we we used to or needing to um, or needing to, uh, you know, even when we do connect, you're thinking about things like social distancing and these kinds of things. But thinking about how we can call one another and text one another, encourage one another, be strong for one another, not just wake up each morning and think about our own uh, comfort levels. When you look at verse three, there's this unapologetic call to be imitators uh, of the selfless love that we see in Jesus. And, uh, and this, the basis of which, of course, is that for 11 chapters, he's established that we're justified by Jesus and forgiven by Jesus and adopted by Jesus. And so it's because of God's grace alone. God is our father. Jesus is our elder brother. And so we now relate to one another um, it, it, with a desire to bear the family resemblance and to be caring and loving. And uh, so uh, let's look at this language about being a strong and weak uh, Christian. Because Paul doesn't use the, the language of, well, you're saved or you're not saved. He doesn't even bring that into view because he's already established that it's Christ's work, not ours, that saves us. But he ta- calls us strong and weak. So how is this possible? Uh, so let's think about it. The strong are those that are living for others. And the weak are those that are living for themselves. Uh, all of you kids who are uh, at home listening to this, think about this. Uh, how many of you have been... Um, playing with your toys in your room or doing your homework or reading a book or maybe playing outside. And then you hear maybe your mom or your dad or the person who's babysitting you, they say, uh, they say it's time to, for dinner. And then you get up and you go and there's food. Now, how did that food get there? Is there a food fairy that did it magically appear? No, because while you were just playing and enjoying, you know, your toys or your books or just kind of in your own little world, your mom or your dad were thinking about you. They were being strong for you. They were making food for you. Now that that's like a picture of being strong because the Bible's saying, well, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm going to care for this other person. Now think about, think about this kids. What would it be like if you were playing with your toys and playing with your toys, playing with your toys and playing with your toys. And all of a sudden your, your tummy got a little bit rumbly. And as your tummy got rumbly, you're like, Oh, I'm kind of hungry. And so you come into the other room and you say, um, let's say to your mom or your dad, you say, hey guys, what's for dinner? And you look and there they are, hunched into the refrigerator like raccoons in a dumpster. And they're just eating all the food in the refrigerator themselves. <laughs> and you're like, hey guys, what's for dinner? And that your parents turn to you and they go, well, whatever you make for yourself is for dinner. We're, we're taking care of ourselves. That would be a picture of being a weak Christian. The strong Christian is like, how do I care for others? And the weak Christian is like, how do I make my life mo- the most comfortable all the time and live in a, the fortress of solitude of comfort? And so Paul gives us this language to get us to consider that when grace you know, grips us, when, when go- the gospel grips us, when this scandal of amazing forgiving grace gri- really grips us, there's a, there's a, a progression from not just simply being amazed at what grace is for us to wanting to see God's grace flow through us and uh, be able to be uh, 
ministers uh, to, to, to one another here in this Redeemer family. And right now, as you're, you know, being wise and careful in your quarantine, in your homes, your immediate uh, families, and uh, for those of you who are single, who are uh, part of our Redeemer family, and perhaps you're by yourself, then considering even in that solitude, how is it, who can I phone or text or encourage so that I can get outside of myself, wherein there is the, the healing and maturing, uh, strengthening power of the spirit as we begin to live um, uh, out the implications of our union with Jesus. And so um, let's move on to the second thing, which is the channel for the ministry being a unified church. If you look at verse five, verse five says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude towards each other that Christ had. So look at, look at it again. God is the one giving the endurance. God is the one giving the encouragement. And Paul's praying and asking that God is the one that would give this attitude of unity. So unity is something that God gives and we nurture. And so notice the subject and the object. God is the subject, the one that's doing all the doing. He's giving the encouragement. He's giving uh, the endurance. And we're on the receiving end of that encouragement and that endurance. Let's think about the first century context. And then let's think about our 21st century context. First century church. You've got a Jew and a Roman. How well do you think they clicked? How common do you think their backgrounds were? How much do you think a Jew and a Roman could sit down and have a coffee together, you know, have an espresso in Rome and be like, oh, yeah, man, I totally relate to these stories of your upbringing that you're telling me right now. The difference between a Christian Jew and a Christian Roman was a chasm. Now, I want you to think about someone at Redeemer someone on this uh, video (laughs) live stream service who's nothing like you. You can't relate to them. Maybe you've had a couple conversations with them and you're like, I still can't relate to this person. I know the Bible says I should love and care for them, but if I'm quite honest about it, I just quite, quite simply don't. I just can't relate. Our unity is not based upon those with whom we relate. Our unity fundamentally at a very deep level, it comes from this gospel renewal, but really, What's driving it uh, is our love for Christ, our love for the gospel, and that is what is able to bridge the gap between what would otherwise be absolute insurmountable differences, right? Imagine that person now that is maybe in one of these other boxes that you don't relate to, and, and now imagine they're on the end of your coach, and they're going to be on the end of your coach every Sunday, right? How do we love and relate and care for someone who's like, you know, I don't know that we really have that much in common. Well. Again, if we're strong, we're going to have an others-focused uh, orientation. If we're weak, we're just going to be absorbed with how uncomfortable we are in the moment. If we're strong, we're going to be interested. And if we're weak, Christians, we're going to be like, well, I don't really find this very interesting. And there's a big difference between the one who is outward and loving and desiring to be interested in this, uh, th- this other fellow believer. So the first century church that Paul was calling to this unity, they didn't have a lot in common. It was mixed. And there was actually a lot of division in that church. And so they had to put the gospel to bear and say, what is the basis for our unity? I want you to notice um, verse six, it says one mind and one voice. And that's a reference of the unity that's fostered in corporate worship. One mind and one voice, even as we are gathering uh, this morning over the, uh, over the live stream, still desiring to you know, accomplish a sense of, of oneness together. And so the significance of that one, one uh, 
one mind and one voice is that if we are casual about our worship, if we are casual about our gathering, if we are casual about serving each other, if we're casual about the gospel going into Kitchener Waterloo, maybe we care, maybe we don't. If we're casual about it, we're not going to experience much unity because we will be weak according to this text. But if we are actually really committed to our gathering and committed to our worship and committed to one another and committed to serving and volunteering, you know, as we say, no, this actually matters, this community. Um, we can't just be a quarantine church forever and, and do the webcast thing. We, we've got to actually care and love for each other in practical ways. And actually, no, we do care that the gospel is preserved in the city. And we do care that we can do mission and reach out. Then we're going to actually extreme tremendous uh, experience, tremendous unity and experience tremendous gospel camaraderie uh, together. There will be a unity that you will share with people in the Redeemer family who are nothing like you, who apart from the gospel, you would probably never be friends with because you just simply don't have anything in common with them. But it's that com- that common passion for the love of God that draws us together that is able to actually overcome any otherwise insurmountable difference. And so let's move on to the, um, the third thing. And uh, actually, before I do, perhaps this is a uh, yeah. are, uh, uh, an opportunity for confession um, for you, uh, for you to realize, yeah, actually, I have been casual about my worship, or I have been casual about my commitment to community. And hey, you're saved by the grace of God. Paul already established, the text already establishes that. Um, you don't do things in order for God to uh, accept you. I've preached that 200 times since we planted Redeemer. So this isn't a conversation about that, but perhaps you realize, oh, actually, I've actually been quite casual about it. It's an opportunity for you to uh, come to to come to God in, in prayer and ask him to give you a heart uh, to love and care for one another deeply. The final thing this morning is this empowering guidance for ministry, uh, being God's word and his spirit. And all the time you hear me say many, many times, the way to interpret the scriptures is through the lens of Christ and everything has to continually circle around him. You, you hear me saying it time and time again, regardless of what text we're in, we've got to think about it in relation to it being fulfilled in Christ. Look at what Paul does in verse, verse three. It's exactly what he does. This is New Testament, you know, hermeneutic for how to understand the Bible. Verse three, it says, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. That's actually a quote from Psalm 69. David said it, but Paul applies it like Jesus said it. Paul is applying this thing that David said like this is about Jesus. Why does he do that? He does it because he's, he's calling us to emulate Jesus. And so the reason that he does that is because the motivating factor for us to shift from a myopic and weak life of self-interest to a strong, others-focused life of love is that we're, we see how we are united to the Savior, whose love is self-emptying, the Savior whose love is cross-shaped. And so therefore, God's word and his spirit, it guides us into that very ordinary, daily acts of self-emptying love, our lives become more and more cross-shaped. Verse 4 says, through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Now, the wisdom of God's word in your home, of God's word in your ears, in your heart, in your mouth, it provides endurance and encouragement and hope. And consider the, rel- consider the relevance in this pandemic of encouragement, endurance, and hope. Consider how uh, our neighbors, our coworkers, our colleagues, 
the city, the world is craving endurance, encouragement, hope. You church have this gift in God through the nourishment of his word, the encouragement of his word and the indwelling power of his spirit to give you endurance, encouragement and hope. And in the same way that we're all raising our children to have a sense of resilience, we want our children to have reasonable resilience so that whether they're dealing with something on the playground or the classroom or they make a bad choice and now they're dealing with the consequences of it in their life or somebody else made a bad choice or they have to deal with something like this pandemic that is out of control, that has nothing to do with what they did, but now it's impacting their life. We are all trying to raise children with a reasonable sense of resilience. You see, God has given his word and his spirit to give his children a reasonable sense of resilience so that in the midst of this global pandemic, in the midst of everything that's going on, as we check in with the news daily, and we should to be responsible, and, um, but we can do that without um, a, a sense of panic and fear. We can, we can look at what's happening in, in this city uh, with a sense of endurance, encouragement, and hope in the gospel. Um, for example, the, um, they, will, they will give us news updates every day. We will look at those charts that the government provides. And those charts are intended to um, enable uh, us to respond responsibly. But without endurance, encouragement, and hope, those charts that you see in the news are going to be panic planners. And you're going to see, oh, where was, where was Italy on <laughs> compared to where we are and where are we headed and what's the trajectory and how's this going? Are there any new cases found in Kitchener-Waterloo today? Well, we should, we should be looking at those things. We shouldn't be turning ourselves off from the media and sticking our heads in the sand. We should be looking at those things. But looking at them thoughtfully with a sense of peace in our heart that we don't look at the news like it's a panic planner. And so this is the glorious gift of what the gospel gives us. Notice what the text says, through the endurance taught in the scriptures, right? The indwelling power of the spirit and the wisdom of God's word, they will equip you, they will empower you. They will equip you and empower your children uh, to endure this hardship with gospel-driven resilience, right? This COVID-19 pandemic it's this life and death size problem, but it meets our gospel, which is a life and death sized announcement, which brings with it a life and death sized answer, life and death sized solution, life and death sized hope. And so church, may we find rest in that. May we, may we uh, give our children rest in that. And so let's close our time this morning and enjoy the rest of this Lord's day restful in our homes uh, let's enjoy it with the, with the words of verse 13 ringing in our ears. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the spirit. Amen.